0: you're about to get stuck into another edition of the GP Fans Stewards Room podcast, breaking down all of the action from a racing weekend in the world of Formula One. And if you like what you hear and what you see, you can rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on all good podcasting outlets, including Spotify, Anchor.fm, our host and iTunes as well. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can hit the subscribe button down below to stay up to date with all of our content there. And if you like the musings of you and Gail, Sam Hall or Ian Parks, Follow Twitter or Instagram at GPFansGlobal to stay up to date with all of the breaking news in the world of Formula One. Or even just get on the website GPFans.com. But now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to another edition of the GP Fan Stewards Room podcast. Austin, Texas did things bigger and better than perhaps ever before. And we certainly got plenty of excitement. As Red Bull wrapped up the Constructors title, George Russell sent Carlos Sainz into a spin and there's a whole lot on and off the track to get into this week. No, Ian Parks, who is diligently out in Mexico making sure preparations for the Mexican Grand Prix are all going to plan. Delighted to say that you and Gail and the man who was stateside for GP fans, Sam Hall, joined me today on the podcast. Gentlemen, how are we doing, Sam? I was expecting a Danny Ricardo style entrance, you know, on a horse, maybe the shirt, maybe a cowboy hat or something.
1: What Americana have you got to show for us today? I've got a caravan. I've got, got a <laughs> retro caravan. That, that's a bit about the, the scope of it, to be honest. Um, no Stetson, unfortunately. And that, that entrance from Danny Ricardo, to, that just began the weekend and said, if you were in any doubt where you were, we are in Texas. Okay, this is going to be an unpopular opinion. You
0: and by the way, I saw the envy of the caravan because I know how much the Welsh holiday makers love a little caravan jaunt down. Love a the caravan. caravan, place. Love, love a, a caravan. caravan. This is going to be an unpopular opinion, but didn't that kind of sum up everything that Danny Ricardo is at the moment in F1 as well? Though there's all the hype and discussion around him. He's a great guy, big smile on his face, but at the end of the day, where's the substance? Where's what we actually want to see, which is him on track performing well.
1: Um. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's arguable that he possibly would have been quicker on the horse than in his car on God, Sunday, Sammy. let's be honest. <laughs> um, he, even he came out, he came out after the race and was pretty much saying, I can't wait for this to be over. No. Um, it's It's been, without question, his worst season in F1. He's not been able to get on on top of the car. He's not had the pace. Lando Norris and his incredible talent has just really not helped, everyone was excited when they got partnered to see how Lando would stack up against Daniel and then it's more, it's just not gone in any way right for Daniel. He's not going to be on the grid for next year, again he confirmed that this weekend and it looks like he'll get a reserve drive, rumours are that it's not going to be Mercedes but it will be a top team which you put 2 and 2 together possibly making 5 here but could he be going back to Red Bull um he it was a an atmosphere that he was welcome in that he was successful in so F1 needs Daniel he's, he's just such a personality um but at the moment he's lost his way
2: a lot will depend i think and it's why I think a year actually is good for him. I don't think the tyres, the switch to the 18 inch tyres, have been that helpful. I think a lot next season with the new prototype tyres that they're testing, if they give F1 cars a bit more of a pointy front end, a bit less understeer, I think you might see Daniel come back. If not, I don't think he will. Because I think that's the underriding reason why he just hasn't been able to get on with it is that understeery sort of characteristic. McLaren was understeery last season anyway, which wouldn't have helped him. And you know, these tyres are understeery with the, the larger rims and the, just the profile of the compound. So that'll be the big difference. If the new tyres that Pirelli bring in are more pointy, I think that will be the hinging point for whether Ricardo comes
0: back. I'm never a fan, Sam, of when somebody says that a sport needs a certain individual because it's all about the sport and not about the individuals, which is why we should talk a little less about Danny Ricciardo and more about what happened, at least on track. We will get to, of course, the weekend for Red Bull, wrapping up the Constructors' title. Max Verstappen with another victory, 13 now on the season. We'll talk about that a little later on as well. Let's talk about corner number one. Carlos Sainz struggling down to that first corner, gets beaten off the line by Max Verstappen, and then he's out of the race on lap one again. I mean, this is... For the Ferrari driver, such a frustrating season of errors that he's made, errors that the team's made, but also errors that others have made. And it's George Russell once more who, I don't know, as a fan, I've had enough of hearing George Russell complain about incidents that he's either caused or are nobody's fault over the radio for long periods of time. Russell tagging Carlos Sainz puts him all in a spin. Ewan, it's hard luck on Sainz. It's an incident caused by Russell. Perhaps it was more of a racing incident because it's turn one. Where are we going with this one?
2: I think the penalty is right because Russell locked up.
0: Um, I
2: do think the penalty was lenient enough for it being first corner of a Grand Prix. You know, I've said this plenty of times on the podcast. I don't like penalties on the first lap of a race. However, Russell lost control. He locked up, that's a fact. Um, a, a bit unlucky that was swinging across the apex. But again, you know, if you're such a good driver as, as George is. He's earned his place at Mercedes, but he should be able to anticipate that in a battle for the lead, at, at a corner of that profile, Science is going to maybe try the switchback. So, yeah, unlucky for Carlos. It's two retirements on the first lap. I know he came back this bit, but retired on the first lap, essentially. Two retirements on the first lap in two races. Both of them unlucky. Obviously, in Japan, there was Aqua playing him, uh, which... Could happen to anyone. Uh, back at Imola, he got taken out on the first half by Ricardo, of course, as well. But you could argue that his crashing qualifying uh, that weekend put him in that situation. So a lot of bad luck for Carlos. Um, and as he said after the race as well, it's not just losing out on those points, especially now the championships ended. That's two races where he's done no race distance, which is no learning behind the wheel of the car that he can take into the last three races into next season. And that will help uh, hurt the development as well for, for both driver and team. He can't give any feedback back to the team. So when they turn back up uh, at a bumpy circuit like Austin next year, next week, whatever it might be, they've only got one side of the garage they can go off. Um, so so that's where it hurts as well. It's not just the points of points don't really matter now, do they? with the championships wrapped up. Yes, Carlos will want to be second in the championship. That's pretty much gone now. Um, but realistically, that development cycle and the feedback that they need from science, they've lost
0: two times in a row now. It's not just that as well. I mean, it's, it's frustration for science, as you mentioned, because Ferrari was saying that they're trying to experiment in these last four yeah. races as well. I think it was uh, either yourself or Sammy put that article out before the weekend started that, ferrari really want to use these last four races to look at
1: 2023 and see how they can close that gap sam yeah i mean they've they've got to because i mean you look at across the season they've they started the season with arguably the quickest car and it was possibly that way until the summer break and then since then or certainly since france it's been the red bull show um and ferrari's been there on single lap pace but over the course of a race distance they've just not been a match at all um i would say on the instant between signs and russell that it's kind of one of them that's typical of this track because it's really wide it widens when the pit lane comes out and then widens still as you go up the hill into a very narrow exit or it's not narrow to anyone else but for an f1 track it's narrow on the exit So you've got about 20 different lines that you can use going into the corners and only really one that you can use going out of it. It encourages overtaking and bold moves like the one that George did. But there is the unfortunate side effect that we see probably the majority of years and the majority of races actually that happen at that track that this instant will happen, a car will be turned. It might not always be a front runner, as as, uh, George and, and Carlos Bukins point out to us. But it does happen in the field and it's it's, why they, it's unfortunate and I, I feel for Carlos, as Ewan says.
2: Yeah, I think uh, it, what you're saying as well is erasing and it?
1: I think if Russell hadn't locked up, I think he would have got away without
2: a penalty. To be completely honest, because of the reason Sam just set out. I think because he locked up, that's why he got the penalty. Um, but the stewards obviously took that into consideration in not giving a harsher penalty when the guy who he crashed into retired from the race, usually probably get a little bit more.
0: I just think as well, we've seen George and heard George Russell complaining a lot and we heard his complaints in the immediate instant and then after the race he was willing to put his hands up and say look I made the error I'm apologizing to Carlos which was fine but I just wonder if he's changed a little as a driver this year and his personality being up at a top team but having maybe a frustrating season and we get that I love it I say this Ewan starts shaking his head Sam starts nodding along with me I'm gonna go with Sam then to agree with me
1: <laughs> yeah I, I I, think it's just something that you can't help I mean one when, when you get into a top team you're racing in a different pressure cooker really there's different different expectations you're expected to be fighting for podiums potentially not fighting for wins if you're in a mercedes at the moment but definitely pushing for a podium berth and george is just making those few mistakes he coped so well earlier this season but i don't think he's helped by the improvement in form of lewis as well because this is just putting that extra pressure on him. When you see Lewis is outperforming him on a weekend and qualifying in the race, just incrementally it's it's building. And George hasn't had that in F1. He's not had a teammate who can push him like that. So it's a first. And he'll get used to it. He will bounce back from it. But this is, it's a learning curve for him. Yeah, I mean,
2: for, for, for us all, I don't think there's any change really at all. Um At Williams, he was very similar, fantastic in qualifying. Yeah, one of the best on the grid in qualifying, always eked out those extra tenths when he needed it. But we saw when he was at Williams, he had a few errors over the course of a race distance. And it's why at the time, uh, probably before Belgium, was when I I was still sort of sticking that maybe Mercedes would want Valtteri because you knew what, you've got with him now to be fair George's performances obviously earned that seat at Mercedes and and the balance of of uh the performance probably rightly so but I don't think he's lost that yet and I think we're starting to see that come into play a little bit more you uh, know it wasn't malicious it was a bit clumsy uh there were a few moments in Singapore that were a bit clumsy um and and as Sam rightly pointed out you know Hamilton was struggling at the start of the season to get on top of the W13. Mercedes were going in miles different uh, different directions mm. between the two cars, trying to figure out what was going on. And it seemed that Hamilton wasn't getting the rub of the green with that sort of stuff, couldn't get on top of the car, was struggling. I think since maybe Silverstone onwards, Hamilton has just been Hamilton. He's racing at Hamilton pace, as we've seen over the last however many years that he's been in F1. And... I don't think that's uh, of any detriment to to Russell. I don't think Russell's done anything wrong since. It's just Hamilton is being as good as we know he can be. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Mm," you know, Russell's gone off the boil a bit. I'm not going to say, oh, Russell's under pressure because he's at Mercedes, because I think it's the same Russell as we've seen since he's come into F one, especially in the last two two years, so I just, uh,
0: I just, I just think you and it's uh, not necessarily the driving style, but it's more we're seeing that like George Russell's personality at Williams is a different personality to the one we're seeing I'm not at Mercedes. Sure it is.
2: I'm not sure it is. I mean, I take it back to Emiller when he crashed with Valtteri. Um when he was at Williams, you know, very much the same accusatory over the radio and and in the heat of the moment because obviously when when a driver crashes out of a race, they go straight to the media pen. So they still got all that emotion built up. Whereas the difference between, uh, the Russell and Bottas crash and Imola last year to the Russell and science crash this year is Russell's had the full race distance before going to the media. So his reaction in the aftermath of the Bottas crash was still an emotional one. The one after the science crash was a considered and more thought through when, when everything's died down. So I think every driver has that. We've seen Fernando uh, after the crash with Lewis in Belgium, where Fernando straight away was complaining about <laughs> Lewis and saying that he can't drive unless he's out in front. But then after the race, he's you know he's sort of backtracked in those comments. Are you are you trying to tell the me that... Russell the... thing? You're trying to you tell know.
0: me that guys driving at 200 miles an hour making contact with each other on a racetrack have got adrenaline and emotion yes. running through them. Yes, no, nah, they, exactly they need to said. be completely deadpan, emotionless and critically analysed in the split second as they're talking to their team radio that they don't know if it'll be played out an, on air. or not. Yeah, because
2: another example is yesterday, you know, uh, on Sunday in the race, Fernando straight away after the crash with Lance Stroll um, said that was a late move. After the race, and having been to the stewards, he comes out and says, oh, that was it, you know, I don't think he deserves a penalty. It was six of one after a dozen of the other, and it was just one of them things we're racing sort of thing. We moved at the same time. So, yeah, drivers are different behind the wheel, and I'm not going to criticise George for saying right. what he said, you know?
0: Should... Fernando Alonso have been handed this hefty penalty after the race, then, seeing as you brought up Alonso and Lance Stroll, because of that right wing mirror that came off his car in the aftermath of a huge impact that took Stroll out of the race, sent Alonso's car flying up into the air slightly. He comes down very heavily, gets it back to the pits, they get it sorted, but this wing mirror comes off. And after the race, Haas go to the stewards and say, Well, Kevin Magnussen had that earlier in the season, and Alonso didn't get the black and orange circled flag it's not fair and Alonso gets tagged with this hefty penalty 30 seconds he's out then of the points Alpine miss out on some vital points in the constructors battle should Alonso feel hard done by seeing as the FIA during the race and after the race seem to deem that the car was okay as Alpine have said in
1: their statement I'm gonna bring out that Roncil fence again Uh, we'll have a Because the answer is genuinely, it's twofold. It's equally yes and no. Because the yes is it's the team's responsibility to ensure that the car at all times conforms to the regulations and is safe. When he was out on track with a mirror that was flapping about and ultimately fell off, that wasn't safe, and the mirror being off, the regulations clearly state, as was pointed out to both of us by a Haas spokesperson, the rules clearly state a car must have two mirrors at all times. So, yes, by the letter of the law, he deserved a penalty, and Alpine should have ensured that. But, then you go to the other side of the argument, where why didn't the stewards, why didn't race control show the black and orange flag? And it's not Alpine's fault that they didn't do that. Alpine aren't obliged to suddenly box their car. If they think it, it's crash damage, it happens, and the car is still safe. If they've made that judgment call, and the FIA, clearly, by not showing that flag, have agreed with that judgment call, that's, Alpine shouldn't be punished for that. So it genuinely is, and equal parts yes and no, Alpine has appealed or protested the, uh, pro- the Haas protest and genuinely the, I, I think they've got a case because Haas' protest was also lodged 24 minutes after the deadline for these protests has passed. So personally I think Alonso will get given back the 7th place but Haas were pretty obviously to be honest trying to make a point with this and go look we keep being given this. Why are other people not being given it? And Sergio Perez also, they they um, appealed his, or protested his car for the front wing, and he got away with it. Um, so, and Ewan's shaking his head, I can see what he thinks about there's that a, there's one. There's a tirade coming uh, from the Welshman, well, yeah.
2: Well, quite quite simply put, I don't understand what Alpina meant to do about a wing wearer falling off. Um, I, I understand what the rule says, and I understand why Haas protested it, but a wing mirror you, you know you can't replace a wing mirror like you can a front wing for example however the Perez one it, you can directly compare to the Haas situation three times i know i know in your little monologue there all you you mentioned that Haas were like it's happened to us yeah it's happened to them three times when Kevin Magnussen was in point scoring positions from contact that wasn't his fault and the front wing was slightly bent so it was flapping in the wind loop. A little bit. It wasn't really damaged. Uh, Sergio Perez's uh, car was caused by him lunging up the inside at a corner that isn't really an overtaking position. It was clearly damaged so much that it fell off on like lap six or seven when he was overtaking Stroll, which is a safety issue, which is what the black and orange flag is there for. And for me, that. That has to be seen as, a, as the same as what happened to Haas. That has to be a black and orange flag. So out of the two teams to have been protested, I am shocked that Alpine got the penalty
1: and the Red Bull got away with it. Because I, I think we're both on the same page here as well. that yeah. Haas is perfectly within their rights to turn around and go, hang on, I would what have. is going on here? Yeah, I yeah. would have. I would have been sacked. Because to be fair, Haas was seething before the
2: race in Singapore. They were seething before the race in Singapore over it. And then it happened in Singapore again, almost as if it was written in the stars. Mm. And they were seething afterwards. And for them to see... And I do I do understand why they've protested it. Again, more to make a point, probably, than anything else. Probably not even thinking that anything would come of it. But just to make the point and to almost clarify the position of the FIA. Now, Perez has to be getting a black and orange flag for that. And the... The reason why I think the Alonso penalty is even more harsh is because you can argue with Alonso that, yeah, that having deemed that the crash, because because the stewards have given Stroll a three-place penalty for for the uh, for the incident, having deemed that Stroll was at fault for that crash, which they must have done to give the penalty. I am surprised that they have gone then to Alpine and said, "Yeah, but your car's not safe." You know, I think there'd be a little bit of leeway for that. And the other thing is, is that it comes down to the consistency again, mm. which we have gone on about all season long. And it has been rectified a little bit in the Suzuka report that came out just before uh, track action got underway uh, on Friday at Kota. Um So we're going back to the the single race director instead of the rotation you know this is why teams drivers us fans the man on the moon go nuts about decisions during a race weekend because there is just no consistency in applying the rules and you know like i said i think has probably weren't expecting anything to come of the protest but it's to make a point, 100%. And I totally agree with it. And it's got to be, it's got to be sorted out because you can't keep having these uh, discrepancies. And the other thing is, I don't know whether Sam saw it on social media. Obviously, we've got these conspiracy theorists on social media. And with Red Bull, you know, not being penalised for it, and this is the... We said it at the end of Abu Dhabi last year as well. When you have so many inconsistencies, you open yourself up. And the teams, through no fault of their own, as well, you open yourself up to criticism from the outside mm-hmm. world, and it's not what F1 needs.
1: Well, it's also, and there was another case of this as well, and this is going to seem like the Red Bull conspiracy show right now. And and is probably best. Oh, you got to speak you got on the on check it. from Mercedes this week,
0: then nice, excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: we've got Mes- Mercedes <laughs> covered this this week. It's fine. We are joking, of course. <laughs> before comments, we always have this disclaimer, but um, in qualifying, in Q1. Guanyu Zhou missed out on Q2 because he had a lap time deleted for track limits. There have been pictures on social media during the rounds of Max Verstappen on his lap that got him out of Q1, exceeding track limits at exactly the same place and arguably by a bigger distance. I haven't gone through the video myself and Ewan here, as I say, is far better placed. So here we go. He was on the light. It was fine. His left rear wheel was on the line. 100%.
2: So Sam is just stirring the pot. Zo- no, because he's right. Is that people <laughs> have been mentioning it. And again, this is the problem. You know, This sort of ire from people watching from the outside in comes from previous decisions.
0: Well, the, you know? the trouble for the FIA is that it feels as well, particularly with this Alonso pen, uh, punishment, that... The FIA are punishing Alonso and Alpine to cover their own back for something that they missed. Yet, for instance, Anthony Davis at Sky Race Control saw it before Brundle even mentioned it. Brundle then had it mentioned to him. Then we cut to the wing mirror falling off. So Sky Sports, for instance, on their broadcast, knew that that wing mirror was dodgy and likely to come off. It was shown coming off in the race director. And yet the stewards don't act on it in that moment during the race. Same with Perez's front end plate. That was mentioned as he came into the pits.
2: This is a thing, and I don't want to make this just you and against the FIA, because it's not, because the FIA do an awful lot of good as well. You know, the report into Suzuka was extensive and I think tackled everything that needed to be tackled. And we saw from Alonso as well, you know, the safety of the cars for him to have the crash he did and keep going is incredible. But it's, a, it's not the first time this season that the FIA have missed something and had to backtrack on it. And yeah. therefore, hurting the competitor. Whereas, you know, if if Alonso was given the penalty, he could have made the pit stop and made some positions up on fresh tyres, probably. You know, we saw how quickly Vettel got back through the field on his last in.
0: Yeah, you saw Magnussen struggling um, with no end. grip at the end yeah, completely. Exactly. He was there for the so, taking. So. so,
2: And and all of the bottom of the top 10 were really, you know, Albon was falling back. He was in ninth at one point with like 10 laps to go. So that's where Alpine will feel hard done by is, yes, they've got the penalty. Yes, it's the same as a pit stop would have been. But Alonso would have been able to at least try and come back through,
0: you know? so It's, it's like any of these penalties that are applied retrospectively with time. It's way more of a hindrance. At like the end of the grand prix then during a race because at least the race exposes well you can make anything up anything can happen we've seen that of course with the uh, Silverstone last year yeah. for instance when you know Hamilton had his penalty during the race for what happened with Max Verstappen some people wanted that maybe put down retrospectively instead and taken off his time after the race such a big impact it is if you take time off a final time rather than during um we can belittle and badger the FIA Till uh, the cows come home. But, and they've got big cows in Texas, by Mm. the way. They've got real big cows, the Longhorns. But let's talk about quickly uh, Red Bull to finish off. Um, Mixed emotions for their weekend. Of course, Christian Horner uh, saying to Max Verstappen over the radio, of course, after a very impressive race victory where he had to fight back because of a delayed pit stop uh, to get past Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton just a few laps away from perhaps getting that first win of the season that still is just eluding him. Verstappen picks up the victory, and Horner saying to Max after, uh, "Congratulations, you're world champion. We're world champions." And that one is for Dietrich Mateschitz, who sadly the Red Bull co-founder passed away uh, over the Texas Grand Prix weekend. And the race dedicated, of course, by Horner and Verstappen to uh, the founder, really of the F1 team. It's a it's a fitting way, I suppose, for Red Bull to wrap up the constructors' title, get the team title. On the weekend that a man who
1: has been so key to the foundation of that team uh, sadly passes away yeah i mean dietrich matches his influence in formula one goes so far beyond probably almost anyone's influence in f1 in history really you look at it and you look at the number of drivers that he's brought through i mean on the grid at the moment and i'm probably going to miss one You've got obviously Sonoda. You've got Gasly, Verstappen, Sainz, Albon, Vettel. Um, there's probably more in there. I mean, and then you look at the drivers like Buemi and Verne that have been in F1 that have gone on to win world championships elsewhere because it didn't quite work out for them in F1. And it's his influence owning two teams as well, owning a track hosting two races each year during covid i mean he's he's been such a huge part of this that even mercedes in their press conference on uh, with toto wolf after qualifying they they banned any t- controversial topics on the cost cap or p- politics to do with red bull they just went no this is not the time for that um and cuz toto wolf raced in red bull colours when he was in GTs as well which as bizarre as that might seem now he 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 has a relationship and a very or had a very strong relationship with Dietrich so if there was a resi- as much as lewis getting his first win the season in america would have been a huge story and it would have been the place for him to do it red bull wrapping up the constructors championship and red and max verstappen or winning it was the right result for the weekend um it was there's not often that you say this is a team that needs to win this weekend but this weekend it was it almost wouldn't have felt appropriate if it was any other team winning mm. um and that that's yeah
0: yeah, I mean, there's there's not much else you can say about somebody who's had such a big impression on the world of Formula One. Uh, you not just talk Formula about... One.
2: Not just Formula One, yeah. no. I mean, let's let's not forget football, rugby, diving, uh, extreme sports, pretty much any way you look in the world. Not just sport either. Entertainment, fashion, uh, just worldwide. For someone who took an energy drink from Asia, took it back to Europe, made it, into what it is now and basically has built up so much around the world from those humble beginnings is it forget f1 just an incredible life Mm. and as sam rightly said you know it was a perfect way to celebrate that
0: and then of course it does put a hiatus on discussing things like the the budget cap breach which we were kind of expecting to all be over by the end of the austin weekend and it's just going to continue to drag on a little bit longer now last time we spoke we were slightly tentative talking about it because we didn't know where the fia was going to land with things like budget cap breaches but very quickly gents because i know we need to wrap things up it's getting very interesting in terms of what happens now with red bull the fia the stance that red bull racing are taking at the moment with the fia saying that they do feel that a minor breach of the budget cap has been made and also the stance around the paddock, because Zach Brown came out with some rather choice words. Uh, he, he rolled back on them slightly saying, I didn't say Red Bull cheated. I said anybody that has found to have breached the budget cap should be considered cheating, but put two and two together, you can make the 10 that I think Zach Brown was trying to get to with uh, with his letter to the FIA, F1, and of course the other team owners as well. Your thoughts,
1: gents? So at the beginning of the weekend most Red Bull has been offered an accepted breach agreement by the FIA and that means it takes certain penalties off the table so that's points deductions from the relevant season constructors and drivers um, and it takes off the table the chance to reduce their budget cap for the following season um, but there are various stipulations on that that mean they have greater scrutiny in future years and it's... It's the lesser of two evils. If they they ca they don't have to accept it, but if they accept it, it is an acceptance of guilt. Um so that there were meetings between Christian Horner, I saw him going into a couple with the FIA across the weekend. Um and it was expected that this was all gonna come to a head on Saturday. Um with a press conference called, it was rumored originally Friday, but it got delayed slightly because of Mohammed Ben Salem, the FA president, being otherwise engaged. But it seems as though they probably will accept this, even though they still maintain their innocence. Um, but it's it's not going to happen this weekend. Put it that way, or the, this early this week. Because before,
0: before you say anything, Ewan, because I know you're about to jump in, I just want to put a really simple question to you. Is this fair that Red Bull are going to have to accept that they breached the budget cap, but there will be no cost penalty to their budget and there will be no points penalty to last season? Is that fair?
2: It's, it's exactly the point I was going to make. Take um, For the purpose of this, I'm going to take Red Bull out of it. Forget what team is involved. Just take the situation as the situation. The whole thing is a complete and utter nonsense. It really is. We're almost in November for goodness sake. And we're still talking about what's happened last season, which is a joke. You know, how mm. long does it take to figure out whether people have spent the right amount? We can't do this every year. It's mm. ridiculous. We can't do this every year. Because, like I said, we're in November. We don't know what's happened last season. Christian Horner, now I'll bring Red Bull back into it. Christian, Christian Horner is a very, very savvy, smart Person, especially in this sort of situation, you know, Mm. he was denying the breach before it was even announced. He's denying it even stronger now that it has been announced. You know, he's not going to deny something he knows he's the team have done, right? So, obviously, there is clear misunderstanding and miscommunication between two parties. Now, where I'm baffled is how that can happen in any for whether it's financial sporting you know a rule is a rule you're either inside or you're outside so how you can have a misunderstanding or a miscommunication over what has or hasn't been spent is ridiculous the fact like I said that we're coming up to November and it hasn't been sorted out is ridiculous and you know, we don't know what the penalties are going to be if there are going to be any penalties. Now, if a team has cheated, if a team has cheated, and it is cheating because you spent more than you're allowed, right? Mm-hmm. If a team has cheated, and I'm not like, I'm again take Red Bull out of this. If a team has cheated, I'm going to use a Zach Brown. You now, then they've they have to be punished. But they've got to be punished for the year that they cheated in, surely.
1: Mm-hmm. You, you
2: you don't. If an athlete is found to take performance enhancing drugs. Then they get penalised for the race that they were found that they were tested for. They don't get penalised for the championship after.
0: Well, they might get a suspension afterwards as well, but they will have the race result yeah, removed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you
2: know what I mean, right? So, you know, if they're going to get punished for next season, if a team gets punished for the year after, that's fine. But that that means that they've had two seasons worth where they're not punished for because of the length of time that. Now, whether that's Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, Haas, Alpha, I don't care who it is. That's wrong. it's you know you because therefore you may as well gamble. If I'm Mercedes now and I see the gap that I'm behind, I'm thinking, do you know what? I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to overspend because this season's not going to get done, and probably next season by the time they sort their act out. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'll take the
1: penalty for 2025 or 2026. It may well, as th- well. This is this is the, at the moment. So. What the the talk in the paddock is Red Bull have come out with, so there's a couple of things that it's understood that Red Bull may have overspent on and that or were included that weren't initially thought they would be. um, Lunches that are not, yeah, that are not that are non-performance related. But the talk in the paddock is that if uh, to relate this to everyday situations, if you go into your overdraft. And you say, yeah, but I had to eat. I had to get my shopping. Then, and that's what put me into it. Then, yes, that is what put you into it. But what else have you spent money on in that month? What else have you... you, So whatever you stack in whatever position on your account, you can show, oh, this is what put us over. But when it comes down to it, you still go, yes, but you overspent. Mm -hmm. And that's the black and white bottom line. Or it will be once the FIA has concluded everything, the black and white bottom uh, line, and it can't be disagreed with.
2: It, no, exactly. And I, I, I'm less focused on Red Bull in this situation because I, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's a confidential matter. We shouldn't have any detail. You no, know, we shouldn't have known anything before the certificates of compliance came out. So for, forget Red Bull. They say that they're within and there's a, misunderstanding over what a relevant cost is. So we've got to take that at face value. So I then look at what's happened at the FIA. And like I said, we're in November. It hasn't been sorted out. Oh, we're, we're almost in November. and It hasn't been sorted out. You add a change in uh, whether a relevant cost or, or the the including of spare parts or relevant spare parts in the cost which came out in april after the original deadline. <laughs> deadline that's not right you can't be changing parameters after they've submitted
0: yeah otherwise every other team would if, have gone oh if, we could have chucked spare parts in our additional budget as well yeah. that would have been
2: fine so so that's a nonsense if that's true you've got like i said there's obviously a leak for other teams and media to have known that there was a breach coming up. By the way, the leak was slightly wrong because they said Aston Martin was in breach. It turned out they'd only had a procedural breach and not a, a, a monetary breach of value. So that's a farce. And, you know, it, it's, it's wrong. All of it's wrong. And I understand why breach or no breach. I completely understand why Red Bull are so furious at the situation. Because you've now got, as Christian Horner rightly said, you've now got all the other teams, plus a lot of the fan base, plus you know, some media outlets, depending on where their allegiances lie. No. Calling them cheats. Calling them cheats. And you can't be a cheat if no one knows any detail in what it is. We saw the video on social media of Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez getting booed by the crowd on the fan stage. You know, for what? They haven't done anything. They haven't, they haven't done anything. It's wrong. So there you go. Can I you just? Were... I'll be I'll be light though to finish. I just <laughs> want to say how brilliant Sebastian Vettel was. I re- he, he was stunning, wasn't he? And, and those last that, few corners, especially. And that move with Magnussen was just absolute. It's going to be such a shame to see him go, especially
0: Same. if he's driving like that. Thanks for stepping down off the soapbox with a smile on your face at least there you and another fantastic rant from you and Gail as always, look we will tell you exactly what happens with all the fallout from Red Bull's uh, overspend of the budget cap last season at gpfans.com and of course on GP Fans Global on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok as well that's where you can find the musing of these two gents, Sam Hall, you and Gail uh, safe journey back from the United States Sam and uh, hopefully there's no flight delays as you were worrying about and if you get delayed just get it transferred across and Head on down to Mexico, join in as he gets set up for the Mexican Grand Prix, which is when we will be back next time to discuss all of the fallout for another race in Formula 1. Until then, as I say, gpfans.com, where you can find all the latest news and views in F1. Take care.